Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Outlook. I'm Luke Anthony and for this episode I was joined by fellow comedian Sean McLaughlin. He is by far one of the best comedians on the circuit. He slogged it out for many years in the open mic nights. He has supported the big names such as Catherine Ryan, Bill Burr and recently finished touring his own show, Hail Mary. But he perhaps got his big break when Ricky Gervais personally selected him to support his world tour, Humanity and is also supporting his new tour, Supernature. But this isn't about you, Ricky. This is about Sean, who is highly regarded in the industry, a lovely person, and does a brilliantly hilarious podcast called Sean and Elliot Read the Bible. Don't read the Bible. Let Sean and Elliot do it. Just give it a listen. Please welcome to the show, Sean McLaughlin. Am I speaking loud enough? Am I into the I think you're going to be right. And the only thing that will pick up is the T. You've been going for what, nearly 13 years now or something? Something like that? You, uh, 2007 was it you started? 2007, yeah. I, well, I started doing some gigs then. I was just at uni and I was just doing a few gigs. I wasn't taking it mega serious. I wasn't doing it like multiple times every week. Mm. For the first couple of years, I probably did about a gig every six weeks or eight weeks. Yeah. But yeah, that's when I sort of first started and then I graduated in late 2009. So almost, yeah, like almost 10 years ago and. Uh, I sort of slowly took it more seriously, and so okay. yeah, I, it's not. I think some people are really good and really, they know what they're doing straight out the gate. And I definitely wasn't one of those. I just right. sort of uh, fi- I figured it out very slowly as I went along. Yeah. So did you did you start start with poetry? I got a source at the time where you did poetry. Earlier. Which source told you that? Um, Variety D, a uh, comedian. Really? Yeah. Uh, no, I have never written a poem in my life. <laughs> Right. No, no. Okay, variety. You're a bit. Yeah, that's. She's well, throwing me under the bus. Those are my words. It could have been. I, maybe, maybe my. Um, maybe I. Uh, you know, I just have a natural poetic nature. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I'm yeah. just a na- I'm, I'm natural gonna, lyricism. I'm going to kick her in the head for that. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's not. I mean, you, that's your call, man. <laughs> However you see. Right, I'm going to cut here, and and <laughs> in the time that it was cut here, there's a beat. <laughs> He said all of this shit like, <laughs> about what I should do, and he incited violence. And yeah, that was all Sean. No, no, it's just one long beep. Yeah, it's just here, and that was all of the bit where he said that it was gonna. Like, I should kick him in the head. I mean, look, if if <laughs> if it helps you for, for for you to think that I suggested it, that's fine. But uh, yeah, I'd rather move on from kicking anyone in the head <laughs> yeah. it's in the mood now it's really weird when you meet people like sort of virtually like, you never really know what to expect when you meet someone yeah I mean you, you meet someone online because that's how comedy works it's, a, it's odd like if you just added a, a female on Facebook and started chatting around it'd be really really odd but through comedy you seem to either you might have brushed past them in a gig mm. but then you've, you've find you always always seem to meet people online before you even meet them in person well, there's definitely a lot of people who I over, I've met a few times and I speak to them a lot online and I guess we I would view us as having quite a decent friendship or like we'd sit and we'd be able to chat for a couple hours easily when really we don't know if we have anything in common uh, I, I, uh, I do think that's that's interesting about comedy I think you do bond with people very quickly in this game even if you're not that similar because we've, I guess you will share that one We've all made that one big decision to try and do this, and that's yeah. enough of a unifier. Yeah. yeah. Am I different to how you thought I'd be? No, not at all. No, no. You're you're as tall as I thought you were going to be. Good. Um, that's the main thing. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. Else. I was going. I won't add anything on that. If there's another. Long... I'm, having, I'm I'm very. I had a very bad haircut a few days ago, okay. so I'm not comfortable with how I'm looking. But this is an audio 
shy. Okay. So that's, that's fine. fine. That's You're fine. just giving it up. I'm definitely going to take a picture of you and put this uh, as like the uh, podcast artwork. For it's this. the old, your, 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 your show will take a hit if you have a photo of me <laughs> like this. There. All right. Um, that's fine. It doesn't really bother me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't care mate I really don't care that's I good like, though yeah, yeah I think it's good because it's people take podcasts very seriously mm. they, they do I mean I, I was at an audition for some voiceover work recently okay right and and they, they interview you before just about what you do and all that sort of stuff and I I'd had a particularly bad day and I really didn't want to be there and I just I just said look I really don't want to be here I, I was honest with them I said I can't, I can't be bothered yeah like, and and they said, yeah, but don't say that because if you really don't want to be here and you don't want to do it, then by saying stuff like that, you might even get the gig because you've stood out. We're, we're not, now because you're moody, that's going to that's gonna help us sell something. You know, if you said it in a certain like, sort really? of deadpan way, and then she said, just be careful with that. You'll see, you'll see the wrong person. You'll start, you'll end up in a weird job that you don't want to be in because you're, you've been really moody. But that, that sells, it gets views, it gets get stuff like that and I said alright then I, I better just go then <laughs> that's really good to know actually Yeah. I don't do many auditions for stuff but if I ever do I'll just act like I don't want to be there yeah I mean it was and just, maybe I'll get it <laughs> maybe yeah it was just it's just certain things I think it's because of the reality TV sort of developments where like with people I don't know what it was for I don't even remember what the advert was for it was something to, it was some airline I think and anyway it doesn't matter it's not about me um, it's about you <laughs> um, so what what really annoyed me when I read the Times Out Time Out um, magazine your your review in there said uh, the comedian you haven't heard of yet the best comedian you haven't heard of yet yeah I kind of love the fact that they put that in their in their magazine and then by putting it in there then they have heard of you yeah I guess it was just sort of I mean I don't know it's a quote that I got a few years ago that I've got a lot of mileage out of probably too much actually and i think i just got a i got a slightly more usable and up-to-date one from them last year which is good but um yeah i mean i don't know some people but, but a few years ago people hadn't heard of me and now i wouldn't say people have but uh, slightly <laughs> i'm slightly less unknown yeah um but it's you know it's just a it's just a it's just a media soundbite, isn't it? That's yeah, all it definitely is. is. I mean, yeah. it's weird though. How do you go about asking for like stuff like that? Because I I feel very very uncomfortable asking for like a snippet or something, or going to asking a promoter for a quote, or asking a promoter for a testimony. Do you not find that a little bit difficult? Well, for, for for those reviews, I mean, they just come. Eventually, they just come, either in Edinburgh or just in your day to day life. Yeah. Eventually stuff gets written about you I mean I'm sort of I, I've done six Edinburgh hours now and I've never had like a PR but I, you still just get reviews if you're in this long enough and you start doing more things mm. so that's where the the time out one I'm just I mean I've ne- I don't I don't even know who writes for time out I don't they just, they just cut they just come and they write things um, it's, it's good to know you get recognition without having to sort of Ask someone to do it because well, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure maybe someone, someone at some point in the system has probably asked them about me and asked them to do something about me, and and that's really good. But I don't, I don't know that. I don't know how that works. Mm. But in terms of asking promoters and stuff, it's funny. I never really got quotes. I mean, when I was sort of, I never really got quotes from other promoters, and I just sort of used. I think you can ask. Sometimes you ask people who go, "Can you be my? Like, can I say you'll be a good reference?" For yeah. when you're trying to apply for a gig um, but I don't know how to I mean I, I don't know how to do it <laughs> I mean yeah. I really don't I think I think usually if there's certain promoters who book you for a lot of paid work or or seem to like you more than others 
you can I think it's quite a natural thing f- for you to put them as a reference yeah, for other things yeah. I mean that that just makes sense mm. um, but ultimately I think also most promoters want to see you themselves and you you know having references is great and it might help you a little bit but you still have to go out there and prove it to them well the thing is, is that yeah. um, often a video like often a video is a way to, to get I mean mm. I don't really publish stuff unless it's really like I really I don't care about losing the material. That's but, that's really good. I um, I made too many mistakes early on. I've got yeah. way I've got way I've got way more online that's crap than I'd like, and I can't yeah. I don't have control over it. So I, and these these things seem to get like scattered as well, don't they? So yeah, yeah. they could be end up on YouTube, but then I end up on Vimeo and all the different yeah, places because they sort of migrate everywhere. Yeah. But like podcasts, really. Yeah. I can't really get rid of my podcasts. There's stuff I've said that I shouldn't shouldn't be out there. But, it's out but there. The, you probably could though. That's the thing. You could just delete a whole podcast if you wanted to. I think so. You can I, remove it. You probably out. have to. You'd probably have to care though. Yeah, that's true. And you don't. So well, fine. it depends. I mean, if, if I was if I was been threatened with jail or something, I might. Well, you did you did say you were going to kick a kick someone in the head earlier in the show. Yeah, she'd find it funny. It's fine. Oh, that's alright. Yeah, that's fine. She'd as long as she doesn't sue them, we're alright. Uh, to be honest, mate, she's she's from she's from Croydon. She'd have me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd go so. for it. I'd try to kick my kick her height, and then I'd probably break my back, and then she'd kick and stamp on my neck or something. You know? Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. I, I, I'm from Cambridge, man. I, I grew up. I came into came into Streatham, right? And I thought this is a nice little place, and like I was greeted by like some graffiti that just said power. Yeah. Power. We're all about that around here. Yeah. We're all about power. Yeah. And I, I noticed you picked a place that's particularly full of um, weather spoons. Yeah, yeah. If Weatherspoons want to sponsor this podcast, I'll take you anytime. Oh fuck! I fucking, I I love Weatherspoons so much. My love for them has never died. <laughs> Still, they're great, and they've always been great. And I think um, I find it I quite find it quite sad how um, how the guy who runs it is such a, a wanker. Because in my eyes, it was sort of some Willy Wonka of pubs, <laughs> some magical yeah. man who created this miracle. <laughs> but it turns out he's just a regular old prick. But um. Have you met the man? If you, if you like, you, I've not met the man. No, <laughs> I've seen him interviewed though. He doesn't seem. I don't think we. We probably don't have that much in common. Pop, okay. We both love Weatherspoons. They say you should never meet your heroes. So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird though. Was it was it you with um, Acaster and Gamble and that and, and Whittacombe, not Anne Whittacombe, Josh Whittacombe, that said that we're, we're spending a, a lot of time in Weatherspoons and then laughing at the guys that were getting in at like opening time. And um, I say, I had did, what, at what point did they end up? Just sort of becoming, just going to Weatherspoons all the time by like as soon as it opens until sort of five o'clock, and then they looked at each other and realised that this is happening to us. In a few years' time, we are going to be those guys. We're going to be funny. these old guys. Yeah, I bet. Uh, by like by like eighty, we're all going to be sort of turning up as it opens, all sitting here looking at young people coming through. Yeah, um, having the same conversation as we were having. Well, I bet those guys would view that as a real. They, they would view their lives as a failure if that happened. I would view that as a real great way to spend a life. <laughs> I would be. I would love to be like the elder sage of of a, of a local Weatherspoons. Did you go to the one here? No, I didn't. I, I found. Um, it's pretty it good, was, you know. It was about twelve minutes away from where I was parked, so I decided to go to a place that cost me twelve pounds for breakfast, which is double double what it would have cost for. Yeah. A, yeah, twelve pounds, about fourteen pounds with a tea. Good that's grief! A, that's a lot of money, isn't that it? That is a lot of money, man. I'm really sorry. It was, yeah. I'm really sorry. Yeah, it was incredible. Though. We should have just done it in the Weatherspoons. 
that would have set a nice scene yeah and they it don't have any music I mean it's probably pretty good acoustics if you get the right booth if there's a 12 minute beep at this point it means that we're walking to where the sprint mm. to then set up again over there yeah that'd be great that'd be yeah and, and we're notably drunker just like a beep all the way <laughs> just for the whole time that we're walking there yeah. we are going to continue recording as we walk because everyone wants to hear that but. yeah that'd be yeah it'd become more like a yeah become like um like cereal or something <laughs> like we're following something around and yeah that'd be good yeah. so um, how's um, how's 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 it dating um, artificial intelligence must be quite amazing yeah it's pretty good yeah it's pretty good my, uh, my partner is called Alexa which got a lot of um, a lot of traction in my last show it's fine I mean it's right. a lovely name but well, they just they, they Amazon have, have, have fucked up both of our lives forever okay well I asked um, I asked Alexa once for the Arsenal score, mm. and she told me the Arsenal score, but from the first ever game. No way. Early 1900s, yeah. Are you serious? The first ever game, and, and then she started reading out the entire results for the whole time. I went out for a couple of hours and came back, and she'd gotten to about 1970. So I still had another like 40, 50 years to get to. What happened that day? Uh, <laughs> yes, I actually got the score, and I realised I could just take my phone, but it's quite amusing just to see it. Just so do you, ha- you have one, an Amazon Alexa? I don't, my dad has one. Um, do you have a Google co- one? Do you have an equivalent? No, I, I have Siri. Siri's a bit annoying. He's, he's really grumpy. Yeah. I, and I say he because I've turned it to a man. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. There's probably some really deep-rooted, weird... Yeah, I'd say there's issues there, but I... Yeah. Well, let's not get into it. I'm, I'm, one, I'm one insane in the membrane later with Rich Wilson, so I, I'll, sort of, I'll cover this with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He's a trained professional totally. to, to sort out my mental health issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, I recommend him, actually. He's quite, he's quite good for sorting your shit out. Oh, Rich is the best. Rich is the... Rich is just... He's the best. I think, I'd, go, I'd go to the end of the earth for that, man. Yeah. I really would. That show is so great as well. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. a really yeah, brilliant yeah. show. I, th- I think he's one of the best best comedians in the circuit. At the moment. Yeah, he's, um, he's he's excellent all I, round. Where, wherever I've seen him, and he, even when there's been like a tough room, he's the one person that he, he would just adapt his set to no. suit the room, and he would just find a way of finding some common ground with the whole. The whole. It's, I'm just giving a testimony here. Like he's gone in the podcast later. No, no, but I yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I watch Rich Wilson, and I like, I feel like I'm learning. Yeah. a lot I always go cause, but he does things I can't do he's so much more he's just he's just got I think he's got more natural charisma than I do and mm. so he just I think audience people like, really like him so I would yeah. say I'm quite an unlikable <laughs> guy <laughs> no day way. to day or yeah. at least quite an average one I haven't suspended this chat yet so well that's we, good we, we've got, well, I'll let you finish your tea at least I've got some kind of Common, common courtesy there. Thanks, but. man. So, so um, when you first started doing your your stand-up stuff, what what was your material like? What did you what did you want to get out of stand-up? I don't really remember. You don't remember? I just wanted to do. Um, I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to do something with my life. I just wanted to, to be. I was sort of, you know, I was young and I didn't have anything going on, and I thought stand-up might be a fun thing to do to just pass the time and. I, I just thought it would be a fun thing to do and I always really liked comedy but I figured yeah. I wouldn't be a stand-up but I would like to do it mm. and I think when I because I was like 19 or 20 when I first tried starting to do it and it's sort of uh, well it's just easy it's easy to get you can just get gigs and especially back then I mean I was in Newcastle there was no one that was doing stand-up it was pretty easy to get gigs not paid gigs but like yeah I did a few open mics really liked it did a few more liked it 
I don't know. I don't know what I thought I'd get out of it, but mm. I really. Yeah, I didn't think I. I didn't think I'd become as obsessed with it as I ended up getting. Because I find I find honestly like with with gigs, I mean I only ever feel as good as the last one. So mm. if you go, you know, it's very common to go for like a. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just really shit. And I just, you, get, you go for a little, a little lull. You know, a little period mm. where it just doesn't seem to be landing as well as it should land. And do, at what point did, do, are you driven by the the good gigs, or were you like determined by the failures? I definitely was driven more by the good gigs. I think. I mean, I am I am that guy. I think. You know, the 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 good ones mean. I'm now at a point certainly where the good ones mean more to me than the bad ones do. They both, you know, the. I, th- I think it's hard. I, you know, you really, really, really take a lot of hits early on, and I died a lot. Um, but then when it went well, it went so spectacularly well that it sort of evened out. I think. Um, yeah. But I could never, I could never really get a gauge of how good I was or what I was doing because it seemed totally random how well I would do. And it wasn't like a certain type of audience would like me or, or another one. There was something else like that. But I guess I was just, I was pretty young. I didn't really know much about the world or about myself. And so it kind of made sense that it would just be a bit chaotic. Yeah, I mean, and and your 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 comedy is you know it still is pretty niche. You know, it's different to a lot of different comics. And where whereas whereas some people like Rich could just sit on any bill. Mm. Yours yours is a different sort of comedy. And I know Brett um, Goldstein had, had been particularly sort of proud of you in the sense that you just stuck to what you know and what you can do. Mm. And and it's it's paid pay dividends for you it's worked eventually yeah well the, well the thing is I always thought it was just I just wanted to write I just needed to write better jokes I always wrote loads of jokes and I thought they could work for every audience but I maybe didn't I don't think I presented it right always I think that's another thing Is it's, it's not just the material it's how you present it to a crowd because really I, I I don't think there's that much difference between crowds I don't know I don't People always say, "Oh, this type of people like me." This part, I don't think. I don't think there's that much difference between where you are, or you haven't found much of a difference, or, or you just because I. I, I find... think there's always a way in to most crowds. I really think there's always a way in with what you've. If you're good enough, you know, if you're making a living as a comedian, you can probably play most gigs if you really tried. Um, but it it just takes a long. I think you just have to be so comfortable with who you are as a comedian mm. and, that, and that's what I wasn't for a while but I wasn't also willing to I really liked what I did I, I definitely thought I was on the right track mm. um, which I'm really I am very glad I stuck to that because I do know people who drastically started changing what they did because they didn't feel it was working straight away and yeah, they kind yeah. of and I get that because it is really tough but I think eventually you come a bit undone if you if you do that because because you don't actually believe in anything, you know, you, you don't have a style. You're just yeah, but you're it's just, all fake. You're just doing it to to, to please many. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I see that quite a lot where where people have gone from just a sort of an open micer to getting regular paid gigs or mm-hmm. going, um, or, or going to like working on the hotel circuit or something like that. Mm. And and you you see that their their material dramatically changes, and then suddenly from doing the stuff they use their start they usually have becomes very sort of kind of relatable stuff that works for everyone and, and mm. in most audiences you probably will get a good collection of laughs mm. um, and that, yeah it probably gets you more paid work a lot quicker but when the one thing that I find with comedy is that 
if you are the creator, it's the one thing that you have full autonomy over what you speak about. Mm. And and I, th- I think there's I think that's a little bit more pure because it's it's what you want to do rather than what you know you're not chasing the money you're, you're, you're yeah. chasing the inspiration. Uh, but I also think that making your app more relatable is is a good instinct if you don't think it's relatable. I do think that's a good instinct. Yeah. I just think my my thing was I never thought I had I never thought oh I have to be a different person or I have to I have to be someone else in order to get more gigs. It was always I have to make this better. And part of making that better is making it more relatable to people. Um, I've known a few people who have totally transformed their act, and I, which I don't. I mean, I, I, I think the the people I know who've done that to the. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't name names, but I don't think it's worked out for them. But the people who just slowly adapt their act and slowly, mm. you know, there are clubs I play now that I thought I'd never, ever, ever be able to play, ever, and I and I don't play them because I've sold out I've just you just get better and suddenly you can you can make you can just make whatever you want to do work yeah 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 because you're, you're in control of who you are your persona the way you hold the mic exactly the yeah yeah and the way you interact with an audience or a heckle I exactly mean, yeah. like a heckle can kill a gig straight away if you if you're not prepared for that or you're not able to deal with those things you can you can lose your rhythm like, yeah totally it's it's weird though because like even if you're somebody hope that's not real by the way what that yeah sorry there's fur on this table that we're at and it looks real feels real doesn't it it can't be I was trying to fill the underside and I don't know if that's no is that a chamois lever or something I don't know I don't know alright anyway it looks delicious nice little uh, segue there (laughs) seamless seamlessly that's great I just I just say link yeah say link yeah and then we're there and then next bit Um, is this where there's like a website advert or something yeah Squarespace recommends (laughs) Whatever, whatever the sound is I can't, I've heard so many podcasts in my life mm. um, uh, where were we I forgot I've got a really bad memory we're talking about material and making it more understandable Relatable. Okay. and whether you should so so one of your big breaks that um, got you some traction in comedy was was obviously supporting you know the big names like Catherine Ryan and, and Ricky Gervais on, mm. on his tour on Humanity now you, you speak about you, you're able to Adapt. You don't think there's much of a big difference between audiences from doing the clubs, for doing the open mics, to doing. I mean, doing an arena that Gervais is on. Surely you, you play that different than you would a yeah. club. Yeah, that 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 was the biggest. I found it very difficult. I mean, my comedy career has been a very slow grind. It's not like I was one of those ones who shot up. I had to. It was a very slow figuring out of stuff, and I made all the mistakes that everyone makes. But the biggest leap I ever made was the leap up to some of those big big rooms that he plays and you do have to play them differently because a lot of the time half the audience aren't in the room when he when I go on stage half people are still coming in and at first I would go out and I'd be like right I'm just going to go out all guns blazing in this room I'm going to take control of this room and I'm going to do that but you can't do that if people are, hmm. aren't there or people are finding their seats and everything's distracting all, all it is is noise in the background that's annoying them so I, you know, I, I, I adapted my thing. I started very slowly. You know, I, I, I sort of, yeah, I'm more deliberate with my setups when I play those rooms. Um, I mean, there, when I say there's no difference between audiences, there are really. What I mean is, I guess what I mean is, I don't see any crowd that couldn't that I couldn't have a good gig in front of. Perhaps, yeah, okay. perhaps. I mean, that's not to say they're always good gigs, but like no. it's. It's not like I would ever meet a group of people and go, there is no way I can make these people laugh. 
Mm. Unless it's for ISIS or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I think most, you know, most I guys... they've got a very good sense of humour, actually. Actually, yeah, I reckon. But a lot of gallows humour. <laughs> but even with... I mean, the... I mean, when I first started doing those Gervais, the big Gervais ones, there, there was a part of me that thought, I don't think I can ever get these... I don't, know, I don't know if I can take control of gigs like this. But then you just... You do a few and you there's tricks and there's... And you just do it. And then most of the time they go really well. And now, uh, they're really fun. I can't think of a worse person to spend the half an hour running up to you going on stage than Ricky Gervais. I mean, what is that like? Like, when you're off stage... Yeah. I, I've heard things like where... With like Doc Brown is where he just said that they're actually angry you're here. They're not even here to see you. You know. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of that. They've, I mean, I sort of feel that less now. Um, Are you still supporting his new new one? Yeah. Nature, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they're that angry. I think you just I register it straight away now. I think you have to reference it, and then you have to just believe that you're that your jokes are going to work and mm. most of the time they do I mean it might take a while it might take a while you know you might have to take some hits in the first 5-10 minutes but then eventually usually I mean it's it is a warm up I mean that's that's. I've never felt more like a warm up than when I do these I am literally taking a crowd who are dead in a sort of big vacuum some, well some of them are just regular theatres he doesn't do that many arenas anymore no. but some of the big ones we've done they are just they're in this big room that doesn't really suit it and my job is to make them it's to kind of tell them what stand-up comedy is almost for 20 minutes and then <laughs> Ricky comes out and smashes the pants off it um, but no they're really fun I mean they're great it's the bit it's, yeah they're great how did you get because uh, apparently he handpicked you how, how did you how did you come about to find out who you were and, and how good you were it was uh, luck I mean it was just pure luck it was just it's you know was, had, had you seen one of your gigs or heard it on the wire? Uh, we briefly had the same. Uh, uh, someone who was my manager was working for him for a brief. Like, there was an overlap briefly. Um, and as that was happening, he was preparing for the last tour. And he would do shows with other comedians. He would do. He would like. He would do like a show where he would do a bit of new stuff and then he'd bring out some, some comedian friends of his to also do it to kind of pad out the night. And one of those nights, someone pulled out on the day, and Ricky had already been sent, I think, some of my videos. Mm. And then I was called in on the day. I happened to be free, and so I was called in on the day to be one of the extra slots at this gig in, it was Finchley Arts Centre. It was like a warm-up gig for humanity, and it was fun. And then, well, yeah, we got on, and then when he needed support for a couple of other things... His regular support was Dot Brown at the time. And if yeah. Dot couldn't do something, I'd do them. And and then that was the same for the rest of the Humanity Tour. And then it just slowly snowballed from there, really. I mean, I you know, I, li- I like working with him and I think we get on and... You know, we... You know, it's that, that it's just that it. I mean, it's that li- that's that one little bit of luck, really. Yeah, so I always look at my career and I always find it odd because I think, I think so much of it I owe to luck. Um which you can't really advise <laughs> you can't say be luckier I, I guess you can yeah. say it's luck but at the same time if you've if you've slogged it out and you've had a very slow progression through comedy mm. as, as you say yourself then then surely it's just the break that you deserved all along it's just it just came late or it came at the right time and you weren't ready then to do that if you'd I definitely it definitely came it could have it, 
if it had come earlier, I wouldn't have been able to take it. I mean, 100%. I was in a position where I could take it and I had enough gigs that I could... I I had enough hours under my belt and I, you know... And it was, you know, I was ready for a new situation to do my acting and, and opening for him is definitely a new situation because you're always moving and you're doing different countries and different... The venue sizes are so varying. Yeah. You know, because in the UK he tends to like playing theatres. He doesn't do many big, big, big rooms. Uh, and then when you go abroad, sometimes they're much bigger. And um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it is still luck because I think, yeah, you go like you deserve it because you worked hard, and, and that's nice. But there's plenty of people who I see who are who could absolutely have done as good a job on that, but just the circumstances didn't line up as well as they did for me. Mm. So, yeah, it's a bit of both, I guess. And then from that, you created your own solo show, Support Acts. Was that was that afterwards, or is that...? Well, that was a mixture of, like... Basically, I did Edinburgh for years. I did yeah. hours in Edinburgh. I've done six hours. Like, my last one was my sixth hour in a row. And then all this time, I was sort of working the was club. Hail Mary. Was Hail Mary it? was yeah. the last one. But then, I'd, you know, I'd done six in a row. Mm. And I... Uh, yeah, I just I had all this material, and then I was doing the clubs, and it was the main thing is I was still a, I'm still a club comic really. I make most of my money still doing the circuit, uh, and I had all these jokes, and then I got I got an offer from a US label, or they said like, oh yeah, they'll they'll release an album of yours if you want, and I was sort of preparing for Hail Mary, so I thought, well, I won't do that one yet, so I just sort of cobbled together an hour of the stuff that I'd been doing either in the clubs or a few bits from Edinburgh shows. It wasn't even my best stuff because some of the stuff was I'd already recorded for other things, but I just cobbled it together and I called it Support Act, and they released it. Um, so it's sort of like an amalgamation of, of a few shows, really. But right. the thing is, I find it hard because I think even that was two years ago I recorded that, and I'm really? so much better now than then. And the yeah. stuff I produce now is so much better. But I'm really glad it was there because it was like those. Jo- I told those jokes a lot in my life, and they got me through a lot of gigs. Um, yeah. So it's cool that I got to release them and that they're there. I think it's quite a nice way of sometimes just kind of documenting that sort of period of your life and then you've moved on to new material afterwards. I think it's quite a nice sort of thing totally. to do. Just yeah. like tick that off and say, right, that's there, that's recorded, that may get me a bit of traction somewhere, someone will buy it, and then you could just move on to the next 100%, thing. because I also I recorded loads of... I tried to record a few of my Edinburgh hours... And there was so much material that I did there that was probably good that I could never do again or I've forgotten or whatever. And with that album, I just I sort of made the decision to make it a very American-style comedy album of kind of not themey, not... Yeah, just try and make it as punchy as I can. Just make it a series of jokes. Uh, and it is that. I mean, I don't know if actually that was the right decision... Maybe I would have been better to just do one of my good Edinburgh hours and tighten it up. And, but you know, it's the decision I made, and I'm glad. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that glad that it's there. And it is. You're right. It is good that. Yeah, you know, that whole period of my life where I was trying to work up in the clubs and this material was mm. what I was using. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good that I don't just abandon it and no one ever hears them again. Now, because it's, of- I think that's really hard in stand up. Is the amount of things you do that never that only ever exist in your mind or in the minds of the audience who were there. It's a real shame that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so half the stuff that when you you know you write a, a I don't know ten twenty minutes if you're doing a club, mm-hmm. and then 
and then most a lot of it ends up being improvised anyway. Like you can write, you can yeah. write word for word what you're going to say. But you get up there. I had the other day there was a dog in the audience, and I got woofed literally as I got on stage. <laughs> right, and I usually like to start like that, like yeah. with anger. Like I hate I, one of the most awkward things is when like an applause runs out just as you get to the microphone, or yeah, just yeah, before yeah. you get there, or or the microphone's at the wrong height, or they pass it straight to you, or they've not shook your hand and you've gone out to shake their hand as you yeah, yeah. as you come on. All these things, or there's chairs in the way, or just all these little things that are slightly off as you go on stage. I love starting with that and yeah, calling yeah, that yeah. out, and 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 yeah, so. You just—I think you have to be ready. When when that dog barked, I just thought I'm, I'm going to have to do loads of loads of stuff on often on the back of that. Yeah, I've never I've never been heckled by a dog before. <laughs> I love that, and, that, and that's the thrill of doing those sort yeah. of. I did a gig once in Hackney, and I was I was on at the gig, and there was a pub cat. The pub, you know, sometimes there's pub dogs. There was a pub cat. Yeah, it was owned by the landlord, I guess. He just walked on stage during my set and just did a shit. <laughs> just on the stage. Yeah. I just thought, well, what? <laughs> what, 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 what? I don't have anything in my locker that relates to this. Yeah. I guess that's the thrill of doing those things. And it would have yeah. been great if that was recorded, because I'm sure the reaction in that moment was so funny. Yeah. And you can never, you can never repeat that. It'll never be repeated. Yeah. I'm glad I actually filmed that one with the dog. Oh, really? Actually, yeah, it was one that I did film. Oh, great. Um, and actually, that that whole set got me paid work quite a lot of paid work from that promoter so oh perfect that's quite handy that's quite great handy with the dog and um yeah I, dogs are great i mean i, I so just earlier though with like building material i you know like when you sit down to write do you just have to sit there stare at a wall and hope something comes because earlier i i'm so risk averse when i'm parking up in london and i'll make mm. sure i've locked everything put all the stuff that gadgets and all that somewhere that they can't be seen why do you think this part of town is shift, I, I, well, they, they, you think, no, you're saying this part of town that I live in is a problem? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's powerful. <laughs> if I leave, if I don't leave the earlier bit in, that makes absolutely no sense. No, you're right to hide your stuff. You're right. And, yeah. Anyway, I locked the cars. Right, I need to make sure I lock the car and everything. And I, I went off, went had my breakfast. As we now established that it wasn't that weather spoons. I yeah. paid like triple the amount I should have paid. And Bad then start to the day. I got back to the car and I left the back door open. So I hadn't even locked the oh the, my the whole God. <laughs> the whole back door was open. And was your first instinct that someone's broken in? Because that's why I would I would say, all right, the back door's open, someone's broken in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and nothing was gone. No, because I, I, I'd already clocked a couple of people that I thought looked a bit suspicious. <laughs> right? I'd, I'd already I'd already categorised them in in that kind of place. Of that right, I'm leaving my I'm leaving my I need to hide everything yeah. now before they see that I've hidden it. And that if I if I need to make sure I was all hidden because I'm sure they're just about to break into my car like that I just go straight to that and I got back and I left the door open anyway so if they wanted to they could have done without any alarm going off um, but that would be ten minutes tomorrow that would be ten minutes yeah my word where are you parked out of curiosity and now I'm parked in someone's driveway right now yes so so another part of you you live in London but I don't know if you found this when you when you drive to gigs mm. in London sometimes you can't park on the side of the road okay right so I go onto like Just Park or Parkopedia and people can put their driveways up for parking really yeah so is I that paid, right so you can pay like 550 for a day and just park in someone's driveway while they're at work I didn't know that that's such a good idea yeah I didn't know that I've only just started driving so yeah, yeah. I'm figuring all that stuff out now I, I actually on this I want to invite you to the um the Honda Jazz Owners Society. No shit. Um, because I I don't own. You're a, a Honda Jazz. Well, I had one. I had one. 
Um, I still, I've still got the badge of the. I took it off before I got rid of it. Did you actually? Yeah, because it was my, my proudest moment to have. Yeah, like yeah. It. it was the 2005 Honda Jazz. Yeah. Um, Mine's a 2006, yeah. so it's probably yeah, very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a silver one. And um, great, yeah. So great, great, great little cars. I took that to the Peak District, the Lake District. Took it around the Yorkshire Moors, the Yorkshire yeah. Dales. It's done loads of miles. Mine's um, yeah, I love mine. I think it's great. Yeah. It's um. Well, it was sort of like a ridiculous deal, really. It had done like 34,000 miles, and it was oh, wow. from 2006. Yeah. And it was in really good condition. It had serviced every year. Uh, yeah, I love it. Reliable. I think Honda Jazz is the most unassuming car. <laughs> like, they don't even look like cars. Because no. we were like, oh, well, what, what if it gets nicked? What if something happens? And like, I look down the street, and every single car <laughs> is newer and flasher. I go, no one's going to steal this. Yeah. But actually, someone did steal the catalytic converter a few weeks ago. On your car? Oh, on our car, yeah. From That's under it. It's a strange thing to steal. There's a spate of these thefts. You've got to be careful if you've got a Japanese car. Because right. apparently they've got platinum in them. Platinum? So they wanted to just smelt the metal? Yeah. Wow. And so it got stolen, and it was a nightmare. Maybe that's why when I took my one in for the MOT that time, they said that it was a writer just because I wanted the platinum. Maybe they did. Uh, yeah. What was that with the Honda Jazz? Yeah, it's weirdly enough. That same day, I had to replace the cat converter. Really? Yeah. I mean, man, that yeah. you might be through the looking well, well, glass now, here. If, if you join the uh, Honda Jazz uh, Owner Society, then then you, there's a union you can join, and uh, they, they can try and get that back and fight the case. It's like an ombudsman for, for Honda Jazz owners. <laughs> I'd love that. Run by Betty and Bernard. A Honda Jazz feels like a really... It's like the most reliable... Yeah. You what do you that. drive now? I drive a Fiesta. And how do you find it? Um, well, again, there's another story. There's another about, there's another show in that. Um, so I don't want to talk about it. But okay. No, uh, no so I went to buy it. I, was, um, I, I had a Honda... I had a Mondeo okay. before that. And then that was... Uh, the, the turbo went on that. Mm. And so I got rid of it. And then so... I really needed a car. I needed, you know, to, to travel. It's really important. Yeah. Having a car, I find it very difficult to get to gigs without it. And so... I saw this car come up, it was a, a Ford Fiesta, it was almost as if they knew that I really needed a car. Popped up, really good price for its year. Um, went there, with the location that they'd given me, no one was there, there was no, couldn't see any car around. This is mm. in Peterborough, a um, very lovely place. Mm. If you're listening always. To this, um, Love <laughs> Peterborough. Good, good passport office in Peterborough, actually. There's some good gigs there as well, I believe. Yeah, there are. I've done a few. <laughs> Um, Had a few stinkers there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I, I went there, and as I arrived, a group of lads turned up. They, they just happened to be from Romania. No bearing on the story, um, story at all. And they, they they turned up, and all three of them in a car that had like trims replaced. So they had different coloured trims on things, like the wing mirrors are different colours. The whole oh, thing really? was a multi-coloured car. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, "Oh, we need to take you to the location of the car." So obviously I got in the car. Yeah. And then the car stalled. So they had to jump start their own car to drive me to the car. That they were selling it. That they were selling me. Yeah. And there was no no credit card machine, none of that sort of stuff. It was a bank transfer to one bank and about two hundred I think as they would call it, their agent, who was just a mate. Um to, that that was his payment. And um Yeah, so got that. When I got and there, wait, so you did buy that car. Yeah, I bought the car. See, yeah. I wouldn't have bought that car. Yeah. I would, that would have freaked me. The whole thing would have freaked me out. So I bought the car, and then the guy that sold me the car asked for a lift back home in the car that I just bought. Of him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Again. Oh my god, that is funny. But yeah. the car was it was all legal. It was all um, good. 
Well, you say that. I took it in for a service. I always take in like a, an old car in for a service afterwards. Mm. And I hadn't checked this on the car, which I probably should have done, that there was an oil leak, um, which was on the, the MOT actually. It had just been MOT'd. And then there were two bolts missing in one of the wheels. And yep. there was loads of stuff wrong with it. Loads of stuff. And they said that they think that this was an illegal and MOT that was put through just like put through the Foser just so they could sell the yeah, car yeah 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 wow so I spent another grand fixing it um, so fuck yeah I missed I missed the Honda Jazz yeah see that was the thing about that was my biggest nightmare because I know so little about cars going into it I just I wanted someone who was like decent reliable that had good reviews I wanted like a car that would would broadly be okay uh so yeah, I mean, I, th- that that was always my nightmare was I'm going to turn up at a place and just some blokes are going to go, this is what we're doing, this, this, this. And I'm going to go, but what? It doesn't have a steering wheel. They go, none of them do anymore. And I'll be like, all right, have an extra grand. Um, yeah. But maybe next time I can be more, because uh, I know I've learned a lot about cars even in the last few months, so I can well, the, the amount I can of go research hard, you yeah. do as well. Yeah, it's, like, it's, yeah. it's a full-time job, isn't it? Yeah. It's fun. I actually now am very into cars, I think. I like okay. looking at cars and figuring out which cars I want. Have you, have you noticed since you've owned a Honda Jazz that they've tripled in numbers? There are so many of them. There are <laughs> yeah. so many Honda Jazzes. Yeah. But I guess they're... Well, they're really good for old people, aren't they? Mm. And for people who don't know how to drive. I mean, for people like me who don't really know how to drive. Ours is automatic. It, I'm barely driving. Are you an automatic one? Yeah, well, my, my, my wife doesn't... My wife doesn't drive manual. Right, I so see. So okay. I have to get an automatic. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. It's easy driving, mate. It's where it's going. I do like it. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, and I had a Honda Jazz. I remember taking it in for an MOT right before I got rid of it. Mm. And he said that Honda Jazzes never have any issues. They're the most reliable cars. The engines are fantastic. Yeah. Nothing ever really goes on with them. The only thing that I've ever had to do is replace brakes, which is a normal thing. Replace the tyres, maybe. That's a normal thing. Yeah. I, I got a call later on. He goes, mate, I've never seen a Honda Jazz as bad as yours. <laughs> So I'm not having much luck with cars, to be honest. Um. Well, my thing with cars as well, this because I sort of thought cars is like if one thing goes wrong, the whole thing is is a nightmare and everything is catastrophe and it'll always cost loads of money. But actually, a car is still a car can function with a lot of things a bit fucked up. I don't know. I I, I think that's really funny. Yeah, it can. The, the, Did you get it new, the Honda Jazz? Or was it second hand? No, second hand. Oh. Yeah, it was my first car actually. Yeah, yeah. It was my first car. It's your first car. My first car. Nice. There you go. Very Wonder. proud of it. Well, I wish you set up a podcast, man. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, we'll call it the Jazz Age. <laughs> yeah. Great, great. Yeah. So, um, great. That's good. I made some notes. Cool. I can't read them though. That's okay. We can uh, just chat more about the Jazz. Yeah. Great. Yeah, great. Good. Great storage. Do you know the oh deal my is God. With the Honda- they fold back up. Do you yeah. know what the deal with it? Apparently, the fuel tank is under the driver's seat, which is very, very rare. And I didn't know any because I don't know anything about cars. And so that means the back seats have just got loads more space than they should. Because it looks like a very small car, but when you're in there, it feels quite and, spacious. And the, and the best—I'm just trying to get a sponsor. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the, the best part is when at the the rear seats, you can pull them up backwards, yeah, yeah. so you can fold them down for the boot. Um, I need to. We should have should have video cast this because we could have yeah. shown you how to do it. Look, oh, just, just YouTube it. Google yeah. Honda Jazz back seat fold Incredible. up. Incredible. Yeah, I've never, so much in there. It's mad that a car, that, that, that they invented that. It's one of those things where you can't believe that that hasn't been done before. 
Yeah. And talk about miles per gallon. I mean, don't you? You don't even (laughs) want to talk about it. (laughs) No, I really don't. But you're going to talk about it, aren't you, Sean? (laughs) It's really economical. (laughs) It's a great set of wheels. 10 out of 10. Yeah. And my new catalytic converter makes it run like silently. Yeah, I, again, you, you brought up a sore subject, to be honest, mate. Like, I, I had I'm ca- re- Every time I say something, you're like, yeah, well, fuck me up. I'm really well, scared, I, man. I, I spent about a grand on the cat converter, which then happened, happened to be the spark plugs, the lambda sensor. I think... I, yeah, the la- it's the lambda sensors cost as much money as the... That's what happened with us. Yeah, yeah. and so... But then the garages kept doing it, and the, the engine light kept coming up each time. They And then, after that, they went on holiday. Who, the, said, the, yeah, end, the mechanics yeah the mechanics that are there they said oh we can't do any work this week because we're on holiday I said, well I have just given you 1500 quid so I've got to have a great time um, they're in Vegas I, I don't know why I brought the Honda Jazz up to be honest mate. It's, it's actually a trigger warning oh mate I'm yeah. so sorry you're, you're shaking with rage yeah yeah, yeah. I think he's crying yeah, um, yeah. well um, I'll let you I'll give you know, you can drive mine around any time I don't know if, if that'll make me. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll get it back, and wheel will be gone. Yeah, yeah, because I'll get some some guy to fix the wheel, and he'll replace it with a, I don't know, with a tractor a... tire or something, <laughs> and then the tracking will be out, and oh, all sorts goes wrong. Yeah, everyone drives cars with massive tractor wheels now. It's, it's to get through the winter. Do you have like a dream car that you want? I don't know, because I, I, I may, maybe if I ever made enough money, I would get to a point where. I'd forget what the meaning of money meant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know because I, because I feel like, to me, spending replacing the tires is quite an expensive job. Yeah. Right. So if I, I like to get them all done at the same time because I hate the idea of getting. I, maybe it's just a, again another mentally ill thing. I need to, Rich. I'm gonna have to talk to Rich again later and just try and get this one off my chest as well um, because I, I don't. This like is having, a great. This is a great like hors d'oeuvre for your interview with Rich. Yeah, later. yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm just I'm just warming up. To be yeah, honest. yeah. That was yeah. fine. <laughs> it, I don't know if you're the right person to do this, but it's, it's okay. Because I'd really like a Prius. Everyone says the Prius is the is the best. And, Prius. Just, and they last and last and last. I think they're quite expensive though. And they hybrids as well. And they're the yeah. ones that are hybrids. Yeah. yeah. And all all the Uber drivers have drive Priuses because they just they're just so they're just so much stamina in them. They do so many miles. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I think I think I knew of one that did something like three hundred thousand miles. Yeah, it's which crazy. To me, it's crazy. They're built for two hundred fifty thousand miles. I mean, madness that. Yeah. Gotta love that. Gotta love that Japanese <laughs> Japanese engineering. I know what we really. What need- is this podcast? I'm so sorry. I feel like I've led us down a real rabbit hole here. No, I'm well. This it's called the Comedian's Outlook. Um, all right. So basically, that covers anything you ever want to talk about. Oh, it's just perfect! The way, it's a pun on my name, which is the only pun I do. Luke is one of those great names that yeah. you could just adapt to a lot of things. It's, it's caused me a lot of stress in my life. Like I've always been called so, Skywalker, but he's always Skywalker's always the guy that doesn't get the girl because the girl is his sister. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like Han Solo was always going to be the one that got him, got her. Sorry, got the girl. You know? So. I'm just I'm always that tag along guy that yeah alright yeah you go and have sex I'll just just I'll, I'm sure th- I'll speak to Bernard over here I'm sure Luke Skywalker got plenty of action we just probably they didn't never, see they it. never covered it they in never Star showed Wars. it but he must yeah. have done he was like a he was a big hero pilot yeah. and a Jedi and yeah he would have been fucking a lot and then and then, and then on the fourth of every month I just I may the fourth be with you it's just kill yeah I mean that's a rough time isn't it you know, you know that's a so, rough time but it's in the bible and and that's a nice little segue to a oh, podcast you do called that is broadcasting <laughs> that is broadcasting <laughs> Sean and Elliot uh, come together to do the um, the bible podcast we do come 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you already you already got a couple of comms in this earlier on. The, yeah, yeah I, find, I find it really hard now. Basically, me, me and my friend earlier have this show about the Bible because we just we, we read it and we just do a podcast about how we've tried to read it. It's quite funny, I think. But it is funny. I, I, I listen to every episode. I've, have you? Yeah, yeah. That's really nice of yeah. you. Thank you very much. Um, we uh, do it. And I basically, I there's a, the, the longest running joke is that any time the word "cum" is written down, I think they're referring to ejaculation, <laughs> <laughs> which is I find it gets funnier as it goes on, and Elliot finds it more infuriating as it goes on. Yeah. So if that's in your, up your alley, then uh, do listen to the do listen to the show. Come to the podcast. Yeah, do come aboard. And also yeah. listen to the podcast. That's the type of stuff we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. And. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's it's because I've never I've never read the Bible from page to page. Yeah. So I thought it was just a fun way to find out the Bible, and I was very disappointed when I realised that most of the conversations you have about the Bible are before you even get on hit record. So then, yeah, we sort of we we realised that in the last episodes. Yeah. We realised oh we always talk about the Bible and then we hit record and then we just do stupid jokes. But now, but we there are episodes where we do genuinely go into it because we find it really good. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of what we've been covering in the last few episodes have been quite dull and drab, and it kind of re- the the Old Testament really repeats itself a lot. Mm. Um, but I guess I guess when you sign up to read the Bible, you, you have to go through the lot of it. I mean, it's yeah. yeah, and it's it's a slog. But we're up to well, the New Testament's about to begin, so that's. Yeah. Uh, Now's a good time to jump on board because I think it's about to be fun. <laughs> well, I think everyone just sort of jumps on board with the Bible around halfway, don't they? They, they sort of forget. Yeah. And no one ever, when you go to church, they never really teach you the Old Testament. It's all about the good news that happens later on, you know. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's the point of Christianity, isn't it? Is that the New Testament exists? Because I was I was raised very Catholic, so I sort mm. of went every week to church and went to a Catholic school and knew all about it. Uh, I think it's going to be really good when the. I mean, when Jesus gets in there, I think it's, it's going to be really, really good. The, the, he's, he's kind of like just don't, don't listen to the first. The, everything we've done for the last year or so, yeah. Just just start now. This is this is your advert for your podcast. Is yeah. Start now. Don't re- don't listen to the rest. Don't listen to the. I mean, listen to the rest. But we are pr- we're probably just going to do like a soft reboot on the whole thing when we get to the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's um I like it. It's a good little show. It's pretty odd, but when yeah. it works, I think it really works. My my only concern is, and I think you've come to this realization. Come, what? Sorry, you've come to this realization. See that? Um, I mean, that this is. And at this point, Elliot would get really annoyed. Yeah, he would. <laughs> yeah, his voice, man. I, I I don't. It must be a very different ambience when you're in in the room with him. But like with podcasts, you talk. Yeah. And people get such a different view of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I just just like I can imagine him getting annoyed in in front of you. Yeah, it's face, brilliant. I love it. His face as it is, you know. I absolutely love it. I think we're good foils, me and Elliot, yeah. because we're very, um, we're, we really are very similar in a lot of our interests, but we have totally different outlooks on them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's, um, how's the Star World going? With, oh, uh, Star World. Star World story. God, you really, yeah. you're a fan. <laughs> yeah, one of the plots, we also have like, we talk about our lives and a lot of the time we sort of make up stuff. So basically, in the podcast I've written, I didn't have the rights to make the Chewbacca film. The Chewbacca film, mm. so I made the Chewbacca film, and it's a Star World story. Um, yeah, we're gonna keep talking about that in future ones. Okay, that's the pl- the plan is to knock it on the head soon, I think. Okay, but uh, yeah, I'm currently in court in the show. Um, there's a lot of court cases from Disney. <laughs> 
and from the Chinese restaurant that sponsored it. Yeah. Um, well, I, the, the thing is with um, with I, I haven't quite let go of my I, I I'm not prepared to let go of a really good day job that I have at the moment because mm. I enjoy the money and the, the stability of it. Well, yeah. Like the visa and stuff like that. More power to you. Yeah. And um, as soon as soon as I, I can be self sufficient, I will. But anyway, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm. and and obviously when you do these podcasts and it's really good to listen you know, be try and be up to date with people but I listened to it just uh, I think I heard it I think you were on Deadly Serious at one point and you had mentioned it yeah um, and that's when I started listening to it and I just I just the pointlessness of it yeah laugh, well we sort of want um, I think that was our, our aim really I don't think we knew what it was going to be but I wanted to do something that I wanted to do a podcast that had a clear beginning middle and end but that wasn't based on a plot because okay. really, as soon as the Bible ends, we are going to end it. We're not going to just keep doing it. Um, and I just liked the idea that it was... I guess it's sort of timeless, because... It's the Bible. It's the Bible. So people will always listen to it. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and uh, so I, I wonder if you should have just called it Sean and Elliot Read Thee, and then just did a different podcast per book that you do. Well, we could do Sean and Elliot Read the Koran. Uh, we could do Sean and Elliot... We did, at one point, Elliot... <coughs> mooted Sean and Elliot read the dictionary <laughs> yeah. which I think would be genuinely be really funny and much easier much less taxing and there's definitely no start middle and end <coughs> to that one well no. I mean there is but it's we'll be dead before we reach the end yeah uh, <laughs> I don't know what we'll do afterwards hopefully something though hopefully we'll do something but if we've still got at least uh, at least another 15-20 uh, episodes to go on this one I think how regularly do you record it do you record record batches Every other week we do one. We tend to do it as we go. Yeah. But usually we're a couple of weeks ahead. Because Elliot, Elliot, Elliot does all the tech, he does all the editing. And he, I mean, he's so good at that. And some of it is quite high concept stuff involving, like, sometimes it involves, like, sound effects and things. Yeah, uh, no, it's and I think, Yeah, I think it's sort of, it's quite, it's quite an ordeal to edit it down. Even to read it and just... Each record takes about three and a half hours, and then we cut it down by a couple hours. One of my favorite podcasts as well is uh, I love Gossip Mongers. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with Joe Wilkinson and well, I was going to say Brian Gittins, but it's not. It's David, David Earl. in that one. But they're the best. And then his other they're one he does best. with David Gittins and Friends is brilliant. Yeah, Brian Gittins and Friends is my favorite. It's probably my you've favorite. You've been on that one as well. Haven't you? I was on it a few episodes ago, and it was the, probably the greatest moment of my career because I know I mean I know David relatively well and I know David Edwards actually as well but yeah, I yeah. just think they're I think they're the funniest shows I can listen to any episode at any time and it'll make me laugh yeah yeah uh, yeah. the whole Brian Gittins thing so it's, I think he's one of the best character yeah. acts out there totally. genuinely and I know he doesn't do it as much as he used to he used to run a night as well didn't he he's had a few He's a, you know I, I've known him for a while and he's always he's always had a few nights and a few things on the go and now I think he still does. Is it the Honk Club at the at the Moth Club, which is like his version of a Gong Show? Yeah, I think so. And he's just he's so amazing, and, D- and David Earl in general, I think, is so amazing. Mm. He's, he's you know he's, he writes scripts and he, everything he makes, I think, is really really clever, and he's just an amazing actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, played played the worst role possible in 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 quite a few. Quite yeah. a few um, uh, things that Ricky Gervais has done. Yeah, and he's the best at that. I mean, he's the be- yeah, like in Derek, and I guess he played Gittins. He actually plays Gittins in Afterlife. Yes, that's right. He's yeah. just so. I just find it perfect. Shameless though, shameless because I. It's, it's so you know like how you're meant to be the full on stage. You're meant to be you know the butt of the joke and all that sort of stuff. Mm. 
but I do find sometimes that your kind of self-esteem still kicks in sometimes you think ah I don't want a bit too much of myself out there and I'd, yeah. I'd find doing a character act like that that I'd be worried that people would take me too seriously in that sense I think that I'm really like that I don't know I think it was great I mean we you, I've done shows with him we did a few warm-ups with the Gervais the new Gervais tour together and Gittins would go out and every night I just was blown away by Brian Gittins yeah. every night and there were nights where you, you could go like a lot of the audience were like not only like they had they not seen anything like him they didn't really know what was happening and you were sort of it was uh, I, I just think he's brilliant I, I'm such a fan I'm such a fan he's definitely probably my the best the most I've ever laughed at stand up is, is seeing him really? and I've probably yeah. seen him a hundred times in my life I've seen his Edinburgh shows I've seen him at gigs I, you know, I've worked with him a bit and yeah I mean he just yeah every single time I would like yeah freaking punch the floor you know struggle to tears, sit on my chair tears, tears yeah. laughing and I don't have that that often anymore but no. with him I always do it's uh, hard it's hard with comedy because you you spend so much time watching comedy Not I don't actually watch much comedy outside of being at clubs or yeah. being at gigs you know I only ever watch comedy when I'm with comedians really yeah or performing I don't really watch them that much out of it because mm. I just one I always feel like I, I'm wasting time like I should be writing yeah and I worry that someone's comedy would influence me subconsciously somewhere that I wouldn't want it to in that sense yeah I sort of I go in and out with that there are times I, I because I was so obsessed with stand up for so long because I think you sort of have to be to yeah. get to get it to a point where you're making money off it I would just watch everything I could I would, I would just try and know every joke and know everything and then I actively went against that for a long time. And I don't watch that much comedy at home. I don't watch that much stand-up at home. I don't watch all of the Netflix specials. Pause for the, um, Sorry. Sorry. That's, That's your I'm... car. Someone's broken into your car, though. That's the police helicopter. <laughs> That's them taking my car away because it's <laughs> on someone's driveway. <laughs> I've probably parked into the wrong driveway. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I was saying, I used to... But now, because I'm writing a new show and I'm writing loads of stuff, I'm watching loads of stand-up at home again. And, uh, yeah, it does... It, I, I find it does help to kind of get a sense of what's going on. And and I still just love comedy. I still love... Yeah, yeah. And, like, going to Edinburgh Festival, I love doing my shows. But I just... I see... You know, I try and see as much as I can. I'll see at least a show or two a day. Uh, I love it. You know, I, I really... I'm the worst person to ask advice about who to see because I just love seeing comedy. Mm. So it takes a lot... You know, I always give comedians the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so if I don't think they're good, they have to be very shit. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few of those, but yeah. not, not loads. Yeah. yeah, that's weird though, isn't it? I, mean, I, I guess I just... I, I love comedy as well. It's, it's why you do it. There's only yeah, yeah. one reason why you do comedy. It's because you love comedy and you want to be that person that makes someone laugh. Yeah. That's my card definitely being broken. Yeah, 100%. Too. You're having, you're in for a tough afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a shit morning and it's going to be an even <laughs> shitter afternoon. And then I'm going to offload it on Rich Wilson's podcast tonight. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I guess, I, it's, we're, the, we're the worst people before gigs as well. Like, I, you know, you must remember, I still, I still do them for open mic. Uh, stuff for new material when when you're just performing to other comedians it's um, yeah. such a weird thing where yeah I hate it I hate it that's the worst part of comedy isn't it is that well I always just thought it was stupid as well I remember like because I would get the train into London and 
you do one of those and there were so many nights like that where you could be like they'd be, they've booked 11 acts and no no audience and they were like alright we'll just do it to each other I remember thinking let's just go home we're not going to learn we're not going to learn anything but I guess you you probably do learn something every time you go up there uh, I guess I guess you speak out loud for 5-10 minutes but yeah that's, that that could be helpful I don't yeah, know yeah. I don't know it's just it's an echo chamber isn't it that's why I find when I've, we've had London comics come to Cambridge sometimes and Cambridge you've done Cambridge before haven't you yeah I've done a few gigs there yeah yeah and Cambridge can be it's a, they're, they're great audiences but they some they can be quite quiet just purely because they're enjoying what you're doing mm. and what we really want is laughs we want the loud laughs that's what we want the yeah. applause breaks and all that sort of stuff so when you see some London comics come to Cambridge for the first time they, they're not they're not used to that silence you've got to get through and really work a little yeah. harder to get get a big laugh but well that's always the thing I always felt I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I was grateful for it, but I was always of the impression that you had to constantly be travelling when you were starting out and constantly doing comedy every, as many places as you could. And I do think that gets you in a good mindset of approaching gigs because I think if you if you only focus in one area or one town, I don't know. I think you're you're sort of limiting yourself. Um, I know a lot of new acts sort of will will only do open mics within London. I I, I don't. I don't know what uh, I'd always yeah I always say yeah go go leave go to Manchester go to Birmingham go to Br- go to Bristol because it's you know you have to see what these other places are like yeah yeah I mean I'm lucky in the sense that in Cambridge we've now in like the east we've created kind of like a corner where there's a lot of sort of good comedy clubs that you can yeah. get paid at and things like that so so like the glass side boys that do Ipswich you've got um, the Huma Comedy Club there's a few around there now that are doing doing big paid gigs. There's one guy, Harrison Salter in uh, Huntington, that okay. does the Missing Suck, I think. That does. Sure. He's um, just like a set, set up an agency actually with Norman Lovett. Um, Norman Lovett's uh, his first client. Yeah. So he's got a good gig there as well. So oh, Pear, interesting. Pearface Comedy Club, I think it's called. Oh, that's interesting. So I, yeah, that's that's always whenever you can get into like a little scene, that's really useful. I think to have like home turf, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so now we've we've got we've got um, Bedfordshire, um, Suffolk, Cambridgeshire, Norfolk. So there's like, we don't actually have to go to London anymore to yeah. gig regularly, which is quite nice. That's brilliant. Oh but well, I'll, I'll have to try and uh, do some more stuff around there. I don't do very much in like Norwich and, yeah. and Ipswich and stuff. There you go. And he's just he's just giving you advice to travel. So it's perfect. More yeah. travel. More yeah. travel. Oh, the the jazz is gonna has got plenty more miles left in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, unlike my jazz. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, may- maybe I maybe I bought your jazz by accident. Maybe you have. Maybe yeah. they've reconstituted yeah. it. And they've ah. rolled back the clock, and I've bought yours. So. And change change the number plate. <laughs> yeah, good luck on your MOT. <laughs> I might need it if they steal steal more parts. I mean, mine had one hundred and forty thousand miles on it, so they've definitely clocked that back to thirty thousand. One hundred forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how that's how well made these cars are. Yeah. Gosh. Miles. That's a lot of gigs you can get in with that, mate. 140,000 yeah. listeners, just imagine that. Yeah. A little humble jazz going all that way. And the, the Bible podcast would also love to be sponsored, as well as this podcast, if if Japan wanted to. Just, just Japan. The concept of Japan. Please sponsor my Bible podcast. I don't know how uh, big Christianity is in Japan. I suspect not. I don't, th- I don't think it's the majority religion. We but, try uh, to force it on so many countries. but <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Such arrogant tosses we are. We just, like, uh, just believe in this one God. That's a good idea. Yeah, I've got loads of gods. Why would we want to do that? That's stupid. Yeah, uh, I guess it's just that's what it was like. Yeah, uh, back in the day. Back in the day, we loved that. We loved all that. 
Commonwealth. Where? Where's the wealth? Yeah. So a lot, a lot of your, a lot of comedy, and for me particularly, is kind of self-deprecating, inward-looking, kind of. I'm, I'm the butt of the joke, you know. Mm. We're all going to stand here and laugh at me. A lot of your stuff has been about your struggle to overcome happiness and depression and all, all different sort of ailments that you've, you've, you've picked up along the way, or mm. you at least identify with. Now that you are happy, how much is your? Am I happy? Do I seem happy? Alexa, Alexa, are you listening to this? <laughs> she doesn't even listen to my podcast. She doesn't. No, she okay. won't be listening to this. So forget that then. I am quite happy. Yeah. Quite happy. Yeah. No, I mean, just how much has your material changed since you've been married and you? Because a lot of your material, well, at least in one of your last shows, yeah. was was about being single and about the struggle of finding someone. Well, you know what it is. It's I did. Um, you know, the last show really, Hail Mary, which I just recorded, it's coming out soon-ish, was um, was all about that. You know, really, I, I am a bit more content. But now I just my my comedy is much better. It's much 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 better, and I don't really talk about myself on stage. I've no interest in talking about myself. I don't find myself interesting at all. I think I'm. Ve- I think I'm. Ve- I think maybe I, I, all through my twenties I was sort of quite. I sort of just thought I thought my life was. I just thought I was such a fuck up, and I mean I wasn't even that much. I was. I should, probably should have just got over myself. But I was definitely interested in what, where I was going wrong, and so that fueled my comedy. But now I, I don't, I just don't, I don't think I'm, there's anything interesting about me, and so I, I sort of look outward more, uh, mm. and it's much better. My comedy's got much better, because Hail Mary was so much better than anything I'd ever produced before, and it's because it wasn't just all about me, um, and the new show will probably not be about me either. I try and put a bit of myself in it. But it, it used to be all me, 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 and it's it's not anymore. Okay, uh, that's my. Uh, I think that's. But some that was the shift I wanted to make and needed to make. And for some people, it's the other way around. Some people like you probably look at them and you go, "Oh, it'd be nice actually if you were a bit more personal, and we saw a bit more about how you lived your life." Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, to be honest, becoming a more content person has has helped my comedy immeasurably. Of course, yeah, because yeah. it's weird, isn't it? Whilst I mean, I I thought this was a known thing where people, even like um, like audiences knew that comedians were like mentally ill or whatever that yeah, whole thing yeah, that was yeah. going around. So I opened with that, and apparently it's not it's not that known. Um, yeah, I guess people find it quite romantic if they're into the idea. But I think you know, I don't think comedians are any more nah. miserable than anyone. I really don't. I I think it's in, in and fact, if they are, it's yeah. it's doing comedy that's made them that way, yeah, not yeah. some instinctive. In, you know, inherent thing. Well, if, if anything, with someone with um, who has bipolar, for me, yeah, like it's, it's actually being stable is really, really, really important. Yeah, right? it's, it's, you know, it's really important to write stuff, to come up with material, to have the motivation to to go to so many gigs that you're not going to get much out of. Totally, you have to have that resilience, and I guess even to do stuff that is self-deprecating, and then we're looking in about depression, you still have to be relatively stable to be able to talk about it in such a, a way that's going to be translating into yeah. laughter because if you go up there and you look too vulnerable like genuinely too vulnerable then the audience is just not going to get it yeah I think and I definitely think I probably there were times where I probably was a bit I was a bit too messy in my head and I probably shouldn't have been going on stage and I probably made an idiot of myself I feel a bit embarrassed sometimes about some of the gigs not many but sometimes but it's natural though but I, yeah it, it is and also 
I, I just find being stable. I just feel like my I can just think clearer. Like I, I look back at all of my shows I wrote before the last one. I was like, I wasn't. I was just my head was was manic, and I couldn't really ever get a grip on how I felt about things. And mm. whereas now I feel like more patient and more calm, and I can think clearer. That means I can think better, better thoughts and write better jokes. Hopefully, I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, as soon as Hail Mary comes out, we'll find out. Yeah, well, we'll all find out. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll crowbar in some Chris Rock jokes or something. Yeah. Okay, just just dub it over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just have Chris Rock actually over the top <laughs> and just fit his voice over the top, and then you just sort of mime it. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that'll go down, but well, we're about to find out. We're about to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's next for you then, mate? Uh, well, I'm I'm writing that show at the moment. I'm uh, doing lots of gigs. I'm doing some more shows with Ricky I'm uh, I, I, I I didn't do Edinburgh this year in, in 2018 or 2019 sorry it's, it's still 2019 it's 2019 it's nearly 2020 it's nearly the, twen- the roaring 20s yeah uh, is that what they're calling it is that what they're calling it that's now? what they call the 1920s oh is it so now okay. when people say the 20s they're going to mean now they're not going to mean the, 20, the 1920s oh that's weird yeah that's Jesus, that's an epiphany. Yeah, right there. I, I, what about when people say like the fifties? We're going to be alive in the fifties. Shit. Yeah. But when we're in the fifties, are we going to say it's the fifties? I don't know. Co- what, what else would you say? I don't. I <laughs> the twenty fifties. No, I think we'll say the the fifties. It's too too long to say the full. Yeah. Full whack. You're you're at the uh, Albany tonight. This this won't be released today. So, uh, how was the gig? <laughs> I was fine. I did some new stuff, and it was all perfect. <laughs> and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna become a star. <laughs> yeah, I'm, re- I'm really glad you enjoyed the Albany. It's great. Um, no, I'm just doing loads of gigs, and I'm doing. Uh, uh, You're not doing your own tour again yet. No, well, I did one for Hail Mary. Yeah, and that ended in July. And so now I'm just building up the new one. I'll probably be in Edinburgh next year doing the show, and then I'll tour that. Uh, bit of tour support, few telly things few other bits carrying on the podcast just general general shit general comedy writing stuff uh, but it's all good I think as long as I can keep paying my rent then I'm I'm okay <laughs> just giving your head above as long water. as I can just yeah. keep burrowing along do you know the, the thing is about the property ladder you can also fall off it as we learned that Elliot did recently yeah well you can um, yeah you can that's the problem with ladders is you can come down them as well as up them people yeah. forget that <laughs> yeah oh well oh well such is life yeah oh well yeah what does he does he own anything else because we always talk about properties as, as like houses yeah buildings well, well I've got a phone that I own, I've got a laptop that I own. Well, I don't own my place I live, I rent. You know, I own my uh, Honda Jazz, I own my... Uh, Not for much longer. I've got two... Oh, no. Uh, I've got two belts. Four? Two, just two belts. Just two belts? Just two. Okay, when, when, okay, I'm sorry, Sean, but when you say belts, yeah. the instant thing you think is that they're... they're WWE belts or, or oh no no belts, no so. no I mean belt, belt. yeah they're, I they're they, not I didn't know you're not prize winning belts I did yeah. some research none of it's made it into the podcast but I definitely didn't pick up on that you're a, a professional wrestler I am SA Rios okay <laughs> I uh, I uh, I have two belts I have three pairs of shoes that's the most I've ever had three pairs of shoes well that's well I include my wedding shoes in that 
I bought Alex. nice shoes to get married in, and I wear those when I go to weddings. So, Alexa isn't invested in buying you clothes and shoes, and I, I sometimes come home and I've got loads of more shoes. And shoes. When when the missus goes away, she'll come back with. And buy you shoes. Buy new shoes for me. Oh no, she might. Uh, Alexa would never do that. No, she never. Just, she would she never just, do that. What does Alexa do around the house? She's just a dot, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> well, the actual Amazon Alexa is. Yeah. My Alexa is. Uh, an incredible woman. She's a she's a she's a wonderful wonderful gal. She's not uh, going to listen to this man. I know she isn't, but I, I also, some someone will. I just want to make sure everyone knows that I love my wife uh, very much. Um, yeah, so that's all I've got coming up. Nothing. I mean, I'm going to New York. Doing you're gigs going there. to New York. Yeah, yeah. I think this will be out before you're there. So do you get any American you, listeners? I have seen them. I think you've seen them. Yeah, follow them. Get your butt, get around, your butts yeah. up to NYC. Analytics. The thing is about like analytics and privacy notices and that you, you know, if you don't even have it on your website, you just could just follow them. Yeah, I know. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy, so, isn't it? Well, like? Where are you from? <laughs> so if you're in New York, if you are listening to this before the fifteenth, then <laughs> there's no way. I'm, I mean, if I sell tickets off this, I'll be, I'll be very. I mean, if I sell tickets at all, this is beneath you, to be honest, mate. It's not. No, not being on this. I think doing the gig is beyond me. Oh, beyond you. The gig is beyond me. Okay. I've never been to New York. What the fuck am I doing a gig there? You're just doing one date? I'm doing one solo show. I'm doing some club gigs. Okay. Yeah. So you're not just going there for... It's not, it's not like you've driven up to Leeds and you can drive back early morning. You're like, oh, we, yeah, I'm, fl- I'm flying to New York, doing the gig, <laughs> flying back. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. five spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just write a new material night as well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I bet someone has done that, though. I bet some people have, have done something of that ilk. Well, you've done similar, haven't you? Haven't you stayed in Luton before and tried to write, oh, mate? That was the worst. That was the worst. I can, I can, I can. Uh... That was the worst. Was it? Yeah. It's like this real sort of Hollywood kind of idea in your head of going to going to a hotel and writing a load of good material. Yeah, or like renting a cottage in the country. Yeah. But I wasn't earning enough to do that. I was earning no. enough to rent a one-bedroom flat in Luton for four days, and it was the loneliest <laughs> week of my life. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to finish on a on a really high night. Look, co- showbiz is the greatest business in the world, but sometimes you will have to spend a week in Luton with no electricity, no internet, thinking, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" I, I can I can relate to that. My my partner, she you know she studied in um, Luton. So yeah. I'm the best thing about Luton is that it's got an airport, and you don't even have to get to Luton, like actually in yeah. Luton, before you can fly out of the fucker. So you can actually get to the airport and just get as far as where as possible. I always think like the north-south divide is real, you know. I do think, uh, and I love, uh, and I, you know, I, I do get it. Most of my friends, like, oh, everyone I went to uni with is from the north of England. I went to uni in Newcastle, loved it, love going up north. And people always say, like, oh, the southerners, the bloody southerners and <laughs> pansies. I always think, yeah, but like, have you been to Luton? Because a lot of the yeah. south is like that. It's not. We're not all in. You know. Then again, for <laughs> we're not all in, in freaking rural Berkshire. Then again, I'll definitely ride that wave when I'm up there doing a gig. You know, I would definitely go down that southern softy because it gets laughs. Yeah, they love it. Easy. And there's also really, I think everyone in their heart of hearts knows there's not that much difference between, certainly not between the people. I don't think. Um, anyway, everyone's great, and uh, that's is that a good is that a more uplifting way to end the podcast? I'm just gonna let, I'm <laughs> just gonna let it peter out. It's just gonna fizzle out, and the, it would just it would just slowly come to a halt and just be silent and I won't even put the music on the end I won't oh even bother God. with it I'll just, I'll just let it just, just fade maybe you out maybe sh- you should change the music so it's like Mad World by Gary jo- like yeah. make it sad music listen to the bible 
listen to Bible Pod, and and, and be merry. Well, you don't even have to read the Bible anymore. You can just listen to it. Yeah, you'll it's, learn so much from me and Elliot. <laughs> Everything you need to know about the Bible is on the Bible Pod. Just type in Sean and Elliot. Read the Bible into Apple Podcasts. I think. Don't yeah, try. Don't try and spell Sean's name. Or Elliot. Elliot's is weirder. One, oh, yeah. one L one T. Jesus, that's guys. Are... At least Sean people spell S E A N. I mean, a lot of people spell Sean like that. No, is that a pseudonym? Is he purposely come up with that name just to be quirky? Uh, I think his, his, I think his, his parents set him a challenge of having a non-podcastable name. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. So that was Sean McLaughlin. What a great guy. What a legend. It was so great to hang out with him. He's just such a top person. He's so well respected in the industry. So catch him at any of his gigs. If you look down in the episode notes, you've got a link to where his gigs are. You've got his website. You've got his Twitter, Facebook, all of those things. Go and follow him. I really recommend you going to see him and, and listen to his, his podcast, Sean and Elliot Read the Bible. It's a great podcast. Next week, I'm joined by the legend that is Rich Wilson. I know we spoke about Rich in this episode with Sean. Yep, I did record him in the same day. I'm, I am very sorry. But do keep an eye out also because Rich Wilson does a fantastic podcast called Insane in the Membrane, which I'm going to be featuring on very soon, I'm sure. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. I really do appreciate it. For now, be happy, be safe, love each other. See you later. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars, careers, lives, and mental health? Or Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member, which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.